the best part about collabs is you could just stand there, day drink, and take photos, and that's the host brewery does all the work. So yeah. they literally maybe, just maybe, made the beer, and we're like, cool, we get to be a part of it. Maybe <laughs> dump some hops in the kettle or something yeah, like take, that. Take yeah, take the just photo. for the photo op, right? Yeah, yeah. Take hey, the photo. we're working here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just described our podcast. We're uh, <laughs> sitting around literally doing day drinking on some beer that you guys have made. So It's fun. Same uh, sort of thing. Cheers. You've stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast Brewer Interview Series. We're here in the solid non-failed studios doing a little tasting before our interview. So we're doing Pulpa Rock today, and guys, I gotta tell you, Alex and I went, and it was fantastic. These guys are doing something special there in the shadow of Toppling Goliath in Decorah, Iowa. And we got some great beers to taste tonight, as well as we did some live tastings with Bob and Justin, who were fantastic to us. Treat us like royal guests. Alex, what did you think of our visit there? You know, it's just, it's such a fun trip. This is my third time being in Decorah. You know, I was out there for the Assassin release, this most recent one, and then uh, Morning Delight last year. Uh, you know, hopefully people will go back and listen to that Toplin Goliath episode. But that was my first experience in Decorah, and this was much more fun because I got to spend more time out there. I spent uh, like three, three nights and uh, four days in Decorah. I gotta say, it's a beautiful little town. It's worth it's worth a trip. You know, if you get some uh, get some breakfast at Ruby's and uh, stop by Maves for dinner and maybe Rubiat for uh, for a tasting, you're gonna have a lot of fun in Decorah. And if you're out there. Pulpit Rock is absolutely the place that you need to stop to. Most people are going to be heading to, to Toppling Goliath. Most people are going to be heading to the big guy. And you can't talk about these two breweries without talking about the other brewery. But Pulpit Rock was absolutely my favorite part of our Decora trip. And a lot of that was these amazing beers that we brought back to, uh, to do a little tasting with. The first one that we're going to be trying here is the... Burundi pour over, which is a coffee stout, and actually this one, Jim, I was super surprised. This comes in at like six and a half percent. This is a very drinkable coffee stout. Yeah, so this is really a series for them, uh, the POP, the pour over porter series. Uh, in fact, by the time this episode releases, uh, they will have yet another, the Jamaica Blue Mountain, which is a very expensive coffee, and so they're going to have more of these uh, with different coffees to explore those flavors that the coffees bring in to this base porter. So here we have a coffee from Burundi in this porter. First of all, it's a great base porter. And the way they infuse the coffee into their porter is really fantastic. Also up to date is coffee and donuts, right? I mean, now let's talk about this as a breakfast beer. You can't have coffee without your donuts, right? Right. I'll tell you what, guys. I could do both of these as a breakfast beer. I mean, if you're going to do some day drinking, this is the way to start your day. <laughs> coffee and donuts and uh, the Burundi pour over that just phenomenal and what what is what is the coffee and donuts clocking in at I, I got to think it's bigger than the Burundi Porter. Uh, the one thing about Pulpit Rock is they don't put the ABV on the cans. Uh, I mean, they're doing such small batches that these are basically hand-canned, you know, hand-labeled. Everything is handcrafted at this brewery. The really fun part about that coffee and donuts, though, is they, they actually went around town first time they brewed this and got the day-old donuts from the gas station. So when you, when you look they're, at... They're half price, you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when you look at the label, it doesn't just say coffee and 
Donuts, it says uh, coffee porter with gas station donuts. It's very specifically written <laughs> <laughs> because they're using day old gas station donuts. And I don't know. Jesus, I, I, what do you think between the two of these? Do you, do you have a favorite? I, I kind of lean towards the coffee and donuts on this one. Well, Jim and I are the big coffee drinkers here. And I just, yes, the coffee and donuts is very unique because it has that coffee and that sweetness. It's it's an amazing balance. It, it really is great, but I just love the intensity of that pour-over one. It is heavy coffee, and I just dig that. It's it's fantastic. I love that one. But I, I can understand people who don't like coffee would like the sweetness of the donut one. See, I, do, I do not like coffee. I don't drink coffee at all, ever. And I prefer the Burundi over the coffee and donuts. The coffee and donuts is a little bit on the sweeter side, but this is, I mean, if coffee tastes like this, I mean, sign me up. You should, you know. should be. Yeah, join the club, man. This is, this is really This is good. what good coffee tastes like. Yeah. I don't See, know what, well, yeah, then, oh, I, Jim, are you with me on this? I'm I mean, this is, this is a coffee drinker would love this. Uh, this is so fantastic. Uh, I got to learn their secrets of how they uh, infuse the coffee flavors into this uh, porter because it is so coffee it, from start to finish with minimal bitterness uh, from the coffee flavors. And th- these are beers that are pretty fresh. And, you, you know, you age these, coffee falls off. This is an experiment I do not want to take. These are perfect oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, not, this is uh, like, this yeah. This is not an aging beer. I would, uh, yeah, this is perfect. I love them both. And, yeah, but the, they're just, to me, they're different, you know. One is like very hot, uh, coffee heavy, and I love that. The other one is coffee and sweetness balance, which I also love the balance. So it kind of gets into that uh, uh, pastry porter, I guess. You know, we've heard it, of the sort pastry of on the walking that line. Yeah, and uh, you know, like Andy and I always say, we drink our coffee and our and our beers, and uh, this is a hell of a way to do it. Yeah, for me, I don't take any sugar at all in my coffees. I mean, I yeah, drink it uh, pretty much black and bitter. So. And to take another line from Andy, awesome mouthfeel. It's very, it's a very heavy beer. It's really good. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of those sentiments. And uh, and I think it's time to uh, to get into the interview and uh, see what Bob and Justin have to say about some of these beers. This week, the Tap Takeover podcast is taking the show on the road again. We are in uh, lovely Decorah, Iowa, to sit down with one of the hottest breweries on the block, Pulpit Rock. Opened in 2015, Justin Teff and Robert Slack uh, are celebrating this week as we speak their uh, three-year and one-week anniversary. And uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us on the show. How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Well, we were really excited to talk to you, especially after uh, the Great Taste of the Midwest. We met you guys at the uh, the pre-Great Taste party. You guys had some amazing pastry sours on tap. Can you tell us a little bit about those beers and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of what got you guys going in the in the beer community? Uh, yeah, so uh, Levi puts on a really good show, uh, invites a lot of cool breweries. We feel honored to be invited and we hope to go in the future. Pastry sour is kind of like uh, people have used the term like pastry sa- uh, pastry stout. So we're like, hey, why can't that be applied to sour beers or at least kettle sours? And so we, we do it for fun. Uh, sometimes there's like a like a specific dessert that we try to emulate. So for today, we're releasing a key party, the key lime pie sour. Um, other times there's like, hey, why not try adding a couple different ingredients, see if they taste good. Yeah, we, we do a couple different varieties. I would say like our first one, Justin and I kind of spitballed some ideas on on the road to a, a collab with one of our uh, one of our favorite breweries, Alluvial. And we we're like, hey, what if we had like graham crackers and extra lactose and vanilla to like one of the fruited sours that we do? We tried it out and people liked it. Um, so we have a whole series. They're called uh, uh, there's blueberry, blueberry, mixed berry, uh, but they all have 
berry in them because it started out with like oh we should add graham crackers and Tef's like no honey graham crackers or honey teddy it's honey teddy yeah. honey teddy graham yeah sorry sorry <laughs> i got it wrong <laughs> yeah we like to experiment with stuff like that tell us uh, what kind of beers were you guys drinking when uh, when you decided uh, making beer might be for me uh, I was living, when I really got into craft beer, I was living out in San Diego in 2010, 2011. I was like, there's a fantastic beer scene out there. I just absolutely fell in love with West Coast IPAs and kind of that, that whole booming scene out there and started homebrewing with my roommate at the time and just fell in love with the brewing process and all aspects of that. And then eventually moved back to Iowa and there was another brewery in town <laughs> at the time just was a a frequent patron at the tap room there and then eventually got a job in craft brewing yeah, how about you bob what uh, what kind of beers were you getting into uh so i started homebrewing at a very early age and honestly like, the first uh foray into like real beer was uh trying beer on a german exchange trip i'm having like real um hefeweizen and pilsner like which i thought was nice like you know grew up drinking uh, bush light as one does in this area of the world <laughs> wasn't until like i moved to minneapolis um to attend school up there trying uh like corked uh 750s of belgian beer was actually like first like wow holy crap like i remember the first time i tried a 750 of duval just like wanted to flip the table over i thought it was so good <laughs> it was also really expensive at the time I was like holy cow nine dollars for a beer are you kidding me uh but it was really good yeah, time, and, times have changed as right, far right, as right, beer right. pricing, yeah. for sure. Just really gotten into that and, you know, kind of like anything and everything. So so let's talk about the impetus of you starting here in Decorah. Uh, as we mentioned, there's a giant brewery already established here. What? Yeah. When you started, uh, was there any concern about uh, competing against them? And uh, what really drove you to, to start the brewery? Uh, we were approached to start Pulp Rock, and we saw it as an opportunity to do I, I wasn't working in the brewing industry at the time we, we got approached. Saw it as an opportunity to make this more of a beer mecca, I guess. You know, incentivize people to come to Decor. It's a pretty small town. It's a beautiful area. There's plenty to do besides just drink. But yeah, no, it, it was a it was a very good opportunity that kind of like yeah, straying straying away from like to like the mass production of like a few brands, but really trying to do unique stuff but just you know constantly make new beers it's like you wouldn't want to eat the same thing every day like you don't want to drink the same thing every day like we get really bored if we have to make the same thing every day so uh that's what we love about where we are now is the freedom to do literally whatever we want to do you want to add graham crackers that's great you want to make a clean pilsner that's also great that's what we love yeah you guys really compliment rather than compete i think uh here because it's my first time uh trying pulp rock and uh, i'm already blown away by the uh, fantasticness. Well, we're blushing. Of, uh, yeah. Of the beer. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the really fun things that you guys do is that you don't have that set production schedule. So, I mean, anything oh, could no. be on tap at any time. You know, there's not. Uh, you, you guys must have some things like Barrel Age Sticker Shock, I'm sure, comes out at a certain time every year. But for the most part, you guys have a lot of freedom, a lot of freedom to kind of do what you what you want. That, yeah, that's other, a, other than our flag, well, I don't even want to call it a flagship. We've, yeah, we don't we like flagships. <laughs> obligated to brew it now because it's a, a pretty good seller but Softig our uh, New England IPA with uh, Mosaic and Simcoe otherwise yeah we try and keep the tap list as fresh as possible all the time kind of rotating try to have something for everybody yeah, the, so yeah. Th that's got to pose some challenges too right uh, as far as uh, 
what sort of ingredients you're getting at a certain time. You might not have the exact hops that you might have wanted. Oh, for sure. So uh, tell us about those. What, what sort of challenges do you find with the, uh, the the kind of boutique brewing approach? Well, especially when we first opened, uh, we didn't have a hop contract. And we, especially that year, there wasn't a lot of quality stuff on spot market for a reasonable price. So we really didn't make that many IPAs or very good IPAs. Now, I think we make okay ones. They're not great, but we're getting into it. But in terms of like availability of ingredients, like we try to use, uh, when we say we use ingredients, we try to use real ingredients. So we don't use like any extracts or purees. So actually, fun project uh, that's coming uh, Monday and Tuesday. We're going to be transferring about four wine barrels of uh, beer, mixed culture beer. It's been sitting in wine barrels for several months onto a thousand pounds of peaches we have to cut up. So that's going to be uh, real interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a fun experience. I was mentioning Key Party, the pastry sour. Our mic uh, was uh, hand zesting limes for about eight hours on Monday. (laughs) And like his arm was just... In pain afterwards just doing the lord's work yeah so <laughs> yeah so like in terms of like seasonality like if there's fresh fruit we'll grab it and we try to think i guess seasonally with like with what beers we release but also like maybe it's the dead of winter and maybe you want you know something refreshing and limes are available so maybe we'll throw something at you so uh one question uh, and this might be a little bit of a difficult one for you guys because you do so many different eclectic beers but uh, we always like to ask anybody that we interview uh if you could kind of take over the taps at the tap takeover podcast and you know t- take over maybe five or six taps for us and kind of give us uh, some of the beers that would uh, best tell the story of pulpit rock uh if you're able Ooh. to do that which uh, which beers would you guys choose say a, a nice clean pilsner yeah Pil- pilsner mike hell in the number one slot nice yeah uh Probably a double IPA. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Take your pick. Some sort of pastry sour. I really like us. Uh, so we did a, it's called church salad. Uh, we literally hand, ju- like I brought my juicer from home. Uh, Tef's much faster at using it. I'm, I'm pretty slow at using it, but we hand juice about two flats of pineapples for like a single half barrel. Oh, uh, two pounds of marshmallows some toasted uh, coconut and then toasted walnuts as well. So uh, it tries to emulate uh, what... Um, some people consider salad like marshmallow fluff salad it's more of a dessert but yeah i got to try that one at uh, great taste of the midwest uh, and yeah. i just kept coming back that, that one got so, a, that one got a lot of popularity yeah they're fun uh i mean don't me wrong like we love like proper wine barrel age like mixed culture beers like that but these are just more like fun like ooh, let's throw this all together so we like doing that um probably like a pastry stout as well like a milk stout or a barrel aged version if we do a bottle condition thing where we're dipping into our first uh, mixed culture barrel aged program which we can actually drink here in a little bit yeah uh, that's it let's, it's, uh, it's, let's pop it, the top it's on a uh, it's, it's a beer that Teff developed oh excellent nice. when he was a young man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Teff why don't you tell us about this beer uh, so yeah this is hashtag Gallagher it's definitely evolved over time it was way back in the day one of my homebrew recipes uh, so it was originally just a clean American strong ale, eight and a half, nine percent the base, and then re-fermented with uh, four different types of berries, strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, and blueberries. Uh, that's what we did last year for Hashtag Gallagher for our, it's kind of like our anniversary release beer. Uh, this year, decided to throw it in some wine barrels after clean fermenting it in stainless, and then inoculated it with uh, lacto and brett and then re-fermented it on double the amount of fruit that we did last year, and then bottle conditioned it. It's been sitting in the bottles for a couple months now. For our first foray into the, the mixed culture, kind of barrel-aged, wine barrel-aged stuff, we're 
we're pretty happy with the way it turned out. And I, I was, uh, I was wondering when I heard the name Gallagher, I was like, is this a reference to somebody at the brewery? Then I saw the uh, the ginormous sledgehammer uh, so, on the front. So yeah, con- <laughs> you knew right con- away. Contrary to, to popular belief, there's no watermelon in it. You may taste watermelon. <laughs> I've heard that from from many people. But yeah, it's it's a mixed berry. So is that culture how here. you created the puree? For you just smashed the original <laughs> like small batches. Yeah, we were literally like just, just smashed. Yeah, the, the hammer's still around here somewhere. But yeah, just smashing fruit, and so that that's where the name hashtag Gallagher came from. So uh, as we do on the podcast, we're doing a little live tasting. Uh, Jim, what uh, what are your first impressions of this guy? Well, it, it's clearly a mixed fermentation. Uh, it's a strong nose on here, and uh, the wine barrel. I'm getting the wine barrel right away in this. It's it's definitely got a, a strong sour, uh, one of the stronger sours I've had in a, a while, mainly because I've had so many, you know, Berliner Weisses and Kettle Sours that this is more of a true sour. Which we're happy with. The mixed uh, fruits are, are really delicious in this. It's it's a wonderful berry flavor. Yeah, so what's, uh, what do you think our, uh, our listeners should expect, uh, drinking Gallagher here for the first time? Uh, it's actually developed some, like, a fair amount of acidity since we bottled it, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you get that that mixed berry fruitiness, a fair amount of acidity, a little bit of funkiness from the bread, a little bit of that barrel character coming through. Right. So. Yeah, that's what I smelled on the nose is the bread. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That horse blanket, and uh, it quite dry too. Yep. 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 Very nice. So, uh, one question that we uh, we typically ask is, uh, where do you guys kind of fall on the uh, the cellar aging? You know, you guys have aged this in barrels. Would you recommend that uh, our listeners go take this home, lay it down in their cellar for a while? Or is this is this pretty much aged to perfection, ready to go right now? I would say typically when we release a beer, it's ready to drink. With a lot of our adjunct barrel-aged stouts, I would say drink them fresh because the, the adjuncts are just going to, you know, more of that barrel is going to come out. The adjuncts are going to kind of fall off over time. With this one, we're not really sure since it's kind of our first foray into it yeah and like i said the the acidity is developed fairly quickly i mean it's it's definitely ready to drink right now if you're so inclined drink one now age one i yeah that's kind of the, the fun experiment you know see how it ages over time and uh yeah but definitely drink one fresh <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you have a baseline yeah. approach to it so i think it's fun i mean like a, <clears throat> when people would like age imperial stouts or barley wines for forever so going back to beers that fall in love with i absolutely love thomas hardy's ale Okay. So much so that back in the day, uh, I traded for a, I still have it, a 1978 Thomas Hardy's Ale. Oh, boy. And on the label, it says, don't open before 1988. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, like, nailed I it. Pretty extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wow, did it. Yeah, I, I think people have definitely moved away from that and realizing that you don't need to age it forever. And, like, maybe you like that, that taste, more of like an oxidized taste. But not that it's bad, but it's definitely not at its peak. So, like, why? It's like you wouldn't have a perfectly ripe peach sitting, you know, on your table and just, like, let it mold or rot. You know, it'd be less than what it is, like, right then. So, yeah, drink, it, no- drink it at its peak. Yeah, and Nello from Central Waters made the point that you, as the brewers, do all the work for your customers. You age it for as long as it needs to, and you release it when it's ready. And You just got to put it in your mouth. Yeah, it's so easy. It's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the space. Uh, so this was a, what, what was this building before you guys moved in? And uh, kind of tell us about what the, the process was like getting some, getting some of these fermenters and everything in here. Uh, challenging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we were first shown the space, we're like, there's no way. Yeah, it was, so there's a, 
functioning laundromat in the front half of the building, which is now our event space. Uh, the back half is basically two garage bays. At one point, it was like a dairy depot. I think yeah, it's so, been yeah, it's like two car, two garage bays basically. Yeah, car repair shop, like a few different <laughs> things. When we actually looked at the space, it was just Nothing. overflow overflow storage for the for the laundromat at the time. There's dirt on part of the floor too. Yeah, and it was oh, like yeah. when we were approached to to start this place, and it's like we have this space. It's like you gotta be kidding <laughs> me. Like, I hope you have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> well, you want dirt? That's how you get the terroir of pulpit rock. Exactly. Right? That's, that's true. Yeah, it's, it's coming out in <laughs> Gallagher right now. Yeah. But yeah, the, the more we thought about it, the more we figured that we could make it work. And if we outgrew it, fantastic. But so far, we haven't. As you can tell, it's fairly tight in here. And we've, we've jammed more and more things in here over time. It's like a submarine. You know, you can fit it all in, but you need to be very clever. Um, yeah, we've upgraded over time. We've gotten some larger tanks. We literally have to like move things in and out. We have a canning line now, which uh, you see the, the brew house uh, stairs right there. We literally have to take those off in order to get the canning line through. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all part of setup. <laughs> so you said it's like a submarine. Are any, are any of you uh, sleeping on the fermenters at night? To <laughs> Hug them a lot, but... <laughs> uh, Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we are actually sitting here recording in the production space. It's uh, it is a little tight, you know. We're sitting on kegs, having a good time back here, but uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that you guys are able to put out as much beer as you do in this very very tight space. I, I think kudos is is deserved. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Thank we you. we have we store all of our barrels uh, in the tap room, and then now we have the the front space, which used to be the laundromat. Um, store all of our our mixed culture barrels in. Let's say we've come a, let's say a long way, but we've come a ways from when we first opened. So uh, what volume are you up to now? Uh, total production? Yeah. We'll probably hit 1,000 barrels this year. Yeah, it might Ish. be like 1,200 barrels this year. Yeah, that's about the max we can do. You guys have had a lot of success very, very early on, but was there kind of a aha moment at some point that said, oh my goodness, we, we're actually going to make this work? Things were definitely kind of shaky at the beginning. Like, we oh, yeah. will even admit, like, we were not making great beer right out of the gate. There's definitely been kind of a, a rough learning curve. Yeah, so <laughs> I would say the best story is we were making this uh, session IPA on a pilot system. It was tasting pretty good. And then, like, you switch, you know, scales and just a completely new system and try to account for that. And we made a beer. It was like, okay, but this, this guy that had tried it, you know, several times on the, the pilot system to the um, commercial side like, literally came up. We had it on the I was like, guys, what happened? I'm like, oh. It's that bad, huh? <laughs> it's like we knew we knew it wasn't great, but also at the same time, it's like it's a business. So like, there's a lot of breweries opening up, and yeah, they might not crank out like the best beer initially, but if you give it a place at least like half a year or something like that, then they might start turning it around. Yeah, we've we've definitely evolved over time. We were making some pretty safe beers initially. Yeah, I think have a bit of a following, so we can experiment a lot more there's so many breweries now that you can't really make that many mistakes before people essentially write you off so we're lucky that people didn't thank you people and especially in a small town like decora that that has to be an especially tough challenge because there's only so many mouths to go around to put that beer into (laughs) and you're dealing with a big guy you know who's uh who's definitely putting out a lot of beer that had to have been a, a sort of, a, I don't know, an interesting challenge to kind of face. Uh, and, and the fact that you guys have a, such a devoted following now, I, re- I think really speaks to the uh, the great beer that you guys are putting out. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We, we tried Thank to you. find a, a niche 
um, and and went with it. Yeah, because there's also just a growing scene here in Iowa, right? I mean, there's oh, a number sure. of other uh, kind of what's called boutique that are really making some good beer here in in Iowa. Oh, we get tons <laughs> of shout outs to all of our friends. We have too many, uh, which we love. But yeah, there's. I don't want to name names just because it can't stop at that point. Um, but there's a lot of really, really talented and humble people out there that are making, I would say, world-class beers, but they'll never admit it. We're just happy that they're our friends and they give us some of their beers to share or share with us. Yeah, like the Iowa craft beer scene has grown exponentially as it has uh, throughout the world even, even in the past five years. It's insane. It's like I've been going to beer fests here in Iowa for quite a few years and now it's like go and it's like i'm a baby-faced guy but i look at you know there's other people like who's that kid you know it's like there's so many people now like so into craft beer and it's a it's a fantastic thing we're just happy to have uh, more people to share it with well, I'll tell you what, uh, you're talking about the uh, the craft beer scene here in Iowa. Uh, the fact that you guys do so many experimental beers, it, it means that you guys have a little more of a, a finger on the pulse of, of the craft beer community than somebody who's just doing, you know, the same brand kind of stuff every year. What, uh, what kind of trends do you guys see happening? Where, uh, where do you kind of see the craft beer community in Iowa and the Midwest going? Good question. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if you can go like region specific with that. Like, I honestly don't have that big of a pulse um, or a finger on the pulse. I don't know. Uh, Seems like, I mean, obviously pastry everything is hot right now. Yeah, I don't know. Like we, we also talked like we, we like to make what well, we try to coin the term um, contemporary American beer. So it's like if you can make like a solid clean lager, like a good IPA, uh, yeah, now the pastry thing, um, barrel aged stouts. And then if you can also pull off like bottle conditioned sour beers, like you can do all those things. It's like you're kind of hitting every everything. Um, I don't know. It's just like everybody, everybody makes IPAs. Hoping to see more people do wine barrel aged sour things. Well, I don't know. That's a. That's it's a, a we ask the tough a, questions yeah. here on the podcast. Yeah. Grilled right now. Um, yeah, it seems like there's a different like IPA trend every year. You know, years ago is like black IPA, red IPA, session IPA, brewed IPA now, yeah, rye IPAs, IPAs yeah. now. <laughs> But yeah, I feel gl- like those you can add glitter to them. Yeah, glitter IPA. Actually, if you want, we have the the candrin over there. Yeah, we can we can add we can some to a glass to for you right now if you want that. Just throw some glitter right in there. I like it. I'm serious. <laughs> Bob has a very serious look on his face. Yeah. He's very serious. Bob's very serious about his beer. Well, I think this is a perfect time to take a little break. I think when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of those friends of the brewery and talk about uh, some of the collaborations that you guys are known for. And uh, we'll be back right after this. All right, let's let's take it easy and bring everybody to Sour Jesus. (laughs) Alex, what do we have? Well, we've been trying to come to Sour Jesus for a long time, and uh, these are the sort of beers that will push you over. we got a couple of kettle sours here, and the really fun part is that uh, one of them is a traditional kettle sour. That's the show-and-tell. That's a blackberry kettle uh, kettle sour, Berliner Weiss. And the second one is the Key Party, which is one of my favorite beers that I've ever tasted, and it's coming from Pulpit Rock. This is a pastry sour. Everybody's familiar with the, the pastry stouts. They're, they're a big thing now. You get the those chocolate flavors in your stouts it's uh, it's amazing you know and there's great breweries doing them but uh pulpy rock has done something interesting here they're doing pastry sours so they 
they, I believe, used a hundred pounds of graham crackers in this beer, and uh, you know, fun part of the interview talking about that. Now we get to actually try it, and it was fun bringing it back for you guys from the special release. So, Andy and Jesus, what uh, what do you think of the uh, the two sours? Let's start with the traditional, and then we'll talk about the the pastry sour and what that pastry aspect adds to it. I'd say it's pretty simple for me, Alex. I mean, the show and tell is is. Just a phenomenal, you know, kettle sour. The blackberry lends itself very well to the Berliner, and it, it shines through. Uh, you still get you still get that sour quality where it's kind of kind of a little bitey and sour on the back end, but the uh, the blackberry sort of covers up a lot of that. Uh, the key party, I mean, two words, fucking phenomenal. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. that it's, it. it's it's just it's epically good. Yeah, the show and tell is uh, it's the gateway uh, sour beer that we talk about, right? Has all the the features or the has all those characteristics of a sour beer. Has that little bite, but it's not like pucker sour, you know. Just those in your face, like kind of intimidating that somebody wouldn't uh, a non approachable beer. This is this is just a fantastic beer. It's it has everything that you want in a sour. The fruitiness, that little tart, and it's approachable. Yeah, that keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that keyboard. Well, it's just so complex. I've never had anything like it. It's uh, very unique. When you say 100 pounds of uh, graham crackers, that sounds like a lot. And you would think, oh, well, it's going to be, you're going to taste graham crackers in this, and it's going to be in your face. It's everything about this is subtle, complex, and it's great. I mean, I, I love this beer. Thanks for bringing this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the first ever uh, pastry sour that I'd ever had was actually at the, uh, the pre-grade taste party. And it was Pulpit Rock, and it was the pastry sour version of the show and tell. And it, it it just added this different aspect to it that I needed to get into. I mean, it's the sort of thing I, I felt like back to the future. Like I needed to <laughs> talk to uh, talk to my brewer friends in Milwaukee and say and say, Chuck, this is your cousin Marvin, Marvin Berry. <laughs> this is the sort of beer that you need to be brewing. I mean, there, there's some really interesting aspects to that uh, that graham cracker, to the the pie crust, whatever they're adding to these pastry sours that are just amazing. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I've had some beers, the kind of kettle sours, where they are trying to attempt to recreate the kind of pie flavor, but no one has nailed that crust flavor uh, with the creaminess like Pulpa Rock has with Key Party. It it blew me away when I first tried it, and uh, I'm like, this is the next new revelation right here. This is that new new. <laughs> it is new new. <laughs> and on the side, I just love their, I mean, it's packaging. It's just cans. It's not what you would think the vessel that would carry this kind of beer because you see all these fancy bottles and you know the corks but this is just it's all canned it, you know, it's a cool look too and yeah. uh, i i love the names i don't know they come up with great names it's it's one thing that we forgot to ask them in the interview so please forgive us but key party's uh, a little retro you know yeah, yeah i mean show and tell 70s, key yeah. party you know the, it's a little risque some of these names but uh, they're fun names and, and this is a fun beer but I think that really leads into kind of the size of Pulpa Rock today. They are, as Alex said earlier, a handcrafted operation. Uh, when we were there visiting them, that was a tight, tight space. And I think what we're seeing here is just a functionality of that. And I think it's time to uh, to get into the interview. So we're back here at Pulpit Rock with uh, Bob and Justin, and I can't help but notice there's a bit of a Norwegian Viking theme kind of going on. Uh, what's that about? Uh, and the, yeah, the town of Decorah. Oh, uh, yeah. We're in a very like heavy Norwegian area. Our name Pulpit Rock stems from 
the Prekestolen, which is the Norwegian translation or English translation of Pulper Rock. We have our own little Pulper Rock just down the street, essentially. Just wanted to kind of Ta- stick tap with- into the the local heritage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're unfamiliar, the actual Pulper Rock is this tourist location in uh, Norway. It's this big pulpit looking stone outcrop looks straight out into a fjord and it's like a straight drop down in this fjord and it's like apparently very it's very beautiful we're hoping to actually go one day a couple of people have actually taken uh bottles uh and taken photos of them at the actual pulpit rock uh, really which is cool. really cool um uh, yeah i don't know like the town of decora is proud of its norwegian heritage um and they have nordic fest every year uh it's in july and they celebrate just Norwegian heritage in every, every way they can. There's the Nordic dancers. There's the the cookies, the varmapulsa, and yeah, we thought we would thought we would tie into that because we wanted to be a hometown brewery, the hometown heroes, if you will. Great. Any uh, lutefisk, or is that just some crazy Minnesota Swedish? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, lutefisk <laughs> and less are huge um, in this town, as they are in Minnesota. We haven't put them into a beer. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Oh, boy. Oh, I, I think a next sour here. Mixed fermentation. Lutefisk. If you had glitter to a beer, you can do anything. I mean, why not? All right. Well, that sounds pretty crazy, like some of these crazy collaborations you've done. So let's talk about uh, some of your collaborations. So which ones have you kind of really enjoyed the most? Yeah, you guys kind of talked Ooh. about, uh, you know, throwing some shout outs to some friends. So uh, what's, uh, what were some of the most memorable collaborations you guys have done? Well, we, I mean, we, so we started out with our, so our best friends, uh, Alluvial Brewing, and we did, I would say, like our first good double IPA with them. Kudos to them. Called it Whippy Dippa, but for an unnamed reason, we're going to have to change the name next year to Softly Served or something like that. Well, too, too close to home. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, Oops. Yeah. Is that cease and desist hand delivered to you? In a way. Uh, so, as long as it came with a spoon, right? So, right. so we, should, we should mention that uh, not far from uh, Pulpit Rock is a really nice little uh, ice cream place called, called the Whippy Dip. And uh, <laughs> they, they do some nice soft serve. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe the name was a little too close. <laughs> so, yeah, so that kind of started everything off, and we've had a great friendship since. Friendship, single, single Speed. Yeah. Single Speed Brewing. Uh, Shout first, out. First time, well... Not the first time we went down there. Uh, the second time we went down there, we made the coconut double IPA, coconut migration. It's a fun one. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're lucky to be attached to their name. It's like it's a fantastic beer. Yeah. And they, we'd literally, the best part about collabs is you could just stand there, day drink, and take photos. And that's, the host brewery does all the work. So yeah. they literally maybe, just maybe, made the beer and we're like, cool, we get to be a part of it. Maybe dump some hops in the kettle or something yeah, like take, that. Take the yeah, photo. Just for the photo op, right? Yeah, yeah, take yeah. Hey, we're working here. Yeah. <laughs> I think you just described our podcast. We're uh, <laughs> sitting around literally doing day drinking on some beer that you guys have made. So It's fun. Same uh, sort of thing. Yeah, so like now like we do that, and then they, they come up here uh, every June. We make a coffee kolsch. Um, so that they, they come up on a Friday. Uh, we make it. Then on Saturday, we all go uh, kayaking together. And now that we actually both have canning lines, we like to bring our, our canned beers on the river, which is great. But yeah, it's two uh, two coffee roasters, two brewers, one glass. <laughs> we always like to hear about uh, the collaborations that have gone well. You know, those are always fun stories to tell. But uh, sometimes the more interesting stories are the, the collabs where there's, uh, there's a little something that goes a little haywire. Uh, do you guys have any of those fun stories for us? Well, collab can't. Something has to go wrong during a collab. <laughs> There have been a few times. I think 
when Microphone Brewing came here and we did the uh, Fruit Loop IPA, that was a trying day to say the least so the first mash we added a bunch of fruit loops to the mash basically adding flour to it and it just it stuck like i've never (laughs) never stuck a mash like that before so there's probably eight to twelve inches of water sitting on top of this like cemented mash bed (laughs) and hadn't really had to deal with that before so i started opening the the grain outdoor because there's nothing we can do for this one <laughs> and it just got away from me it's like the whole floor holding, was yeah, literally covered holding hundreds of pounds of water hot and hot yeah, mash hot water it, it, it literally did you literally say, flooded the brewery did you say it hit the wall when it yeah came it, so we, we have a very small brewery and it literally hit the other wall and just the entire floor was covered and it, it was steamed up luckily there were seven people in the room and we got yeah. it cleaned up pretty quickly Lot, lots of people running the water and squeegees <laughs> and stuff like that it got cleaned up pretty quickly but and, th- and this was like February, right? This is this yeah. is. Not oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, fog was rolling into <laughs> yeah, the room. Yeah. <laughs> the guys from Microphone are great, and Fitz, he's a great guy. Yeah, they they all help clean up. That was just the first part of it. <laughs> yeah. So then we decided not to put Fruit Loops in the second mash, but we put them in the boil, mm-hmm. and that was equally bad. <laughs> Bear in mind, so. we, we bought an entire pallet of Fruit Loops because Mike was like, "Yeah, Mike from Microphone was like, yeah, let's use Fruit Loops.'" Yeah, so we, like, we were we were game. It was this like weird green sooty looking wart. <laughs> like and running really it through our heat did not look good. Sitting right next to us. Yep. It's like you know, typically we knock out in like forty five minutes. It was like two plus hours. <laughs> it was just trickling out of the kettle. Luckily <laughs> microphone brought a lot of really good beers to try. So <laughs> we <laughs> essentially had a a, a tasting uh, for about two hours. Yeah. And then went okay. to dinner after that. There are definitely worse times. Luckily, we actually had a beer to sell because we thought for a while, it's like, oh boy, we finally did it. Yeah, so that was probably the worst. Um, another fun experience was uh, the three-way collaboration we did with our friends Alluvial, as I said before, and then uh, 515 on uh, Clive, outside of Des Moines, Iowa. And so we decided to do this uh, all-wheat IPA, four different types of wheat, threw in some rice hulls. Uh, oddly enough, it was the rice hulls that clogged everything up but it got to the point where like no wart was coming out of like the mash time we were all looking around like at each other kind of like laughing and smiling but kind of like kind of like uh, what do we do <laughs> really though what do we do uh eventually uh we were able to bypass a uh, valve that was absolutely clogged and get some wart into the kettle was the beer supposed to be like an ipa originally and it was like because we couldn't sparge it was actually taking like <laughs> just f- first runnings like only because it was like the only wart we could get it became a double ipa yeah. <laughs> it was good it was very good yeah. but it was like there wasn't very much of it because there wasn't that much wart but it was one of those one of those trying times that were like wow we flew too close to the sun <laughs> so not only have you collabed with local brewers and brewers across the Midwest, but uh, you're very proud of being here in Decorah, Iowa, and uh, you work with uh, local suppliers as well, right? So you get uh, your coffee from a, a local supplier. Uh, yeah, uh, Impact Coffee. Uh, Sean's walking through the brewery right now. Uh, <laughs> the manager of the coffee restaurant. He's wearing a Bubbles t-shirt. He's a cute boy. 
Yeah, so they are very good friends of ours. And we essentially work pretty closely with them, like ask, like, hey, what do you have coming up? What, what are they getting in for coffee? Because they do a lot of micro-lot, single-origin coffees. Sometimes we ask for things specifically, but more often than not, for our house beer pour reporter, we ask for, like, what they have right then, and then they roast it for us. Do you have a fun uh, connection for uh, peaches? But that's an, a story from a, for a different time. It involves a, a great Amish man and his uh, connection to peaches, which I won't get into. But um, Actually, we, we are going to be doing a uh, honey barrel fermented age saison soon with uh, Tef's uh, sister-in-law soon. Yeah. They're, they're honey. She's providing the honey for us. Maple syrup and all. Whitney. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Shout out to Crane Creek. Yeah. So our, our first foray into making uh, hashtag real maple uh, beers. We're going to get that trending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I think this year's uh, breakfast all day was way too sweet. We're going to try again, but the quality of the maple syrup is really good. When we first walked up to this producer, asked for three gallons. They looked at it as really, really weird. It's like we were going to throw that in a single half barrel. But after we did business with them, they're, uh, they're on board. So I'm like trying to think while I'm talking right now. You know how it, you know how it is. Well, I'll tell you what. Speaking of collaborations, uh, you guys did this uh, really fun collaboration with Barntown. Uh, nice IPA. Oh, shout out to Barntown. So they're, this is the, uh, the Sticky Stink Juice. Uh, tell us about uh, how this collaboration came about and uh, how you guys kind of put your minds together on this one. Uh, so, yeah, we have... It's kind of like friends of friends, really. Yeah. Talked to, talk to the Barntown guys at many festivals and things like that, and they've they come up for other beer releases and... Pete, Pete really? the, the owner, is friends with Micro Microphones. So, like, met them. Like, we saw Grant, the head brewer. Like, we've seen him at festivals for, like, for years. It's, like, one of those things, like, where never really, we haven't talked. And then, like, finally, like, oh, hey, you know, like, we should do something sometime. So. Yeah, we met, uh, we met the Barntown guys at the uh, Smells Like a Beer Fest. Uh, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, we met a lot of really cool brewers at, at that festival. But, uh, yeah, really great guys, uh, really good beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really, uh, really so beer. at the Iowa Craft Beer Fest uh, in Des Moines, there's this huge, huge line for uh, Hawaiian Punch, a Hawaiian Punch-inspired beer, and it was very, very good. Was lucky enough to be friends with them and supersede the line and get some, um, and it was it was great. So, uh, tell us about the beer. What uh, what went into making it? What uh, what were you kind of going so, for, and where did it end up? So they they make a beer called Sticky Juice. We make a beer called Stink Juice, and so it's a mashup of both of those beers. That pretty much writes itself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, theirs is uh, Citra Mosaic. Ours is Mosaic Bravo Eureka. <sighs> And so we used all four of those hop varieties in this double IPA. So it's basically like their beer meets our beer. It's got a, a great flavor. I mean, the hops are really coming through. You got you got the juicy, you got the haze. You know, it's the right color, obviously. But I don't know, there's a little something extra. I don't know. There's a little. It's little. love. We put a lot of love into it. <laughs> it's the collab you're tasting. Yeah. That's, I think that's it. <laughs> it's it's the best parts of Pulpit Rock and the best parts of Barntown in yeah. uh, in one beautiful beer here. Yeah, they're really nice. They brought us a half barrel of IPA that we were <laughs> we were going to put on tap, but then we're just like, ah, we're just going to drink it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, there are perks to owning a brewery, right? There are. It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, Jim, uh, what are you getting out of this one? Oh, the uh, the, the hop formation formulation is really fantastic. Uh, uh, you don't often get Bravo and Eureka uh, as your that your kind of third 
cousin, you know, the citrate mosaic that everyone puts in there. Uh, it's such a great blend. The, it's really tropical. I feel that it's kind of like the Italian approach to cooking, like simplicity is best. It's kind of like the same thing with like hot blends. We really don't want to go over more than three. Ideally. Um, in this case, we did four, but it's just like the more you add, the more you take away. It gets muddled after a yeah. while, right? I mean, Which yeah. is really funny because we add a lot of like pastries to beers. <laughs> um, but certain things we're particular about. Yeah. Hops, are, hops are different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about, can you give our listeners any insight into uh, any collaborations that you guys have coming up? What, uh, what can we kind of expect out of Pulpit Rock here? Oh, boy. I'm almost exhausted at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's, like, that's what we do. We wear you down. No, no, no. no and we no. ask the tough questions. <laughs> These are tough questions. But... What's exhausting is uh, the amount of collaborations that we have to do. We love friends, and we want to be your friend. It's just finding time to do all of them. We'll meet other brewers at Fest or Craft Brewers Conference or wherever and be like, hey, bro, like, we should do something sometime. Uh, for example, like I just talked to uh, Timmy from Barrel Theory. Like That's why I was late to do this. Great guy. Like They're making great beer. Yeah, now we have a collab lined up, but it's one of those things where like, it's, it's loosely lined up. It's like, yeah, we'll do something sometime. When that will happen, we don't know. Uh, we've had collaborations that we've said we're going to do something, and it's taken a year till it actually comes to fruition. So I don't know. Like we're always excited to do the standard collabs that we always do with our core friends uh, from Iowa. We've met people from out of state. There's a a brewer who used to work at another brewery here in town uh, that works for another brewery, in another part of the country that I'm going to travel to. Pretty excited about that. Pretty soon. I don't know. I don't know, Bob. Bob's the collab guy. I think I've lined up one collab in the last three years. <laughs> I would say I would say like the the most fun we've had with the collab like last time was uh, once again like referencing our friends at Alubio. Like we had to go down there and like they're based just outside of Ames and uh, Justin went to Iowa State and so they were able to give us like twenty row fifty yard line uh, Iowa State tickets Shit. for free and we're like ooh, <laughs> yeah. it's all right. That's a collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's one of those things. Like if we're friends with people, like you can you stay in my apartment here in Sunny Decor, <laughs> um, and we, we take you around. We usually take you to the Haymarket, play pool tabs, drink some Miller High Life. Um, Get that full Iowa experience. You have to. You have to. There's a lot of breweries that we want to touch base with. It's just like finding the time to do it. And now, luckily, like we have uh, connections like other parts of the country that we literally have to travel distance to like actually do and it's like how do we actually do that it's very called uh, Bird, Bird, birds fly south in south carolina uh sean's making amazing beer he was on the cover of beer advocate cool guy um yeah we met him in person at the craft brewers conference in nashville and like was making amazing beers and like we're talking like he's gonna come here we're gonna go there and uh the best things he, he likes to call them uh friendship brews it's like <laughs> we're gonna get together we're gonna get drunk we're going to hang out. It's not really a collaboration. It's, like it's more of a friendship. So it's a friendship group. Uh, so, I like that. Yeah, so he's a really cool guy. We're happy to know him. Hope that that uh, happens this next year. Yeah, it's really amazing. It just goes to show the fraternity that exists amongst craft brewers. I mean, it, Also no, sorority. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gender neutral. Uh, yeah, it's Gender a, neutral term. For it's, definitely, it's, a, it's a brotherhood and sisterhood and, of, of amazing yeah. brewers who come together to make this, this amazing liquid that... Uh, we like to put in our mouths. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no other don't industry that, that does it like the craft brewing industry. Right? I mean, you don't see machine shops getting together and, you know, making some new widget, you know, the, the collaboration widget. 
that they sell. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you guys are ever uh, interested in coming to Milwaukee, we got a list of breweries. <laughs> that would be <laughs> absolutely thrilled to work with you guys. Uh, we'd love to see you in Wisconsin at some point. We love Milwaukee. I mean, we usually go to Madison for the great taste. It's one of those things like we're busy all the time. Like any brewery gets solicited to go do so many beer festivals and you have to turn them down and they're like, their heart's broken. They're like, sorry, we can only do so many. We also want to have our own personal lives as well. Yeah. Which is rare. Um, but necessary. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of actually the a fun. I love, uh, love drinking wine. I won't say snob, but like I love wine. And I don't know, like craft beer is like a really interesting industry where like now like the state of like collabs like people lining up for cans you know bottle shares like everything that goes with it i really don't know any other industry that attracts this sort of attention and the sort of devoted following you know where yeah. people are they're searching online for different beers that you know the secondary market is insane now. oh for sure it's uh yeah it's it's become quite a thing you know it's uh, it's it's reaching sort of some of the sort of levels of the secondary market of uh, some of those wine bottles you know where you oh, you sure. see them selling for thousands of dollars now suddenly you're seeing uh, if bottles anybody of has for like thousands. a bottle of domain de la romani conti romani conti I'll give you whatever you want. In, in, in search of? <laughs> ISO. For trade. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it, talking about uh, some of those beers that uh, have huge secondary market value and just, you know, people go out of their way to find. Uh, you guys have brought out a really fun one to kind of uh, finish off our live tasting here. This is the, uh, the Fat Joe. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about this beer and uh, what we're about to experience. This is uh, me and Jim's first time uh, trying one. Uh, so this is our bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout. Uh, it's the same base that we used for Sticker Shock, Fat Joe, and the uh, Ultella within the last year or so. And we aged it on a Panama Geisha coffee from Impact Roasters here in town. Super fun, like super nice coffee. So yeah, you get that, you get that barrel. It's a 13% imperial style, like fairly sweet, but the coffee acidity offsets that. Very drinkable, you super said, viscous. You said this was a, a pretty uh, expensive coffee to get, right? Uh, yeah. So our cost for it was, I think, $42 a pound. Oh, hello. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, sort of thing so like, is it like a single farm origin there? I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy stuff. Side to say, like, I mean, like Impact would know. Yeah, we they they bought it. We, we're like, it's good. We so we'll like the manager of the the coffee place here. The we pretend to be beer experts here. We <laughs> kind of leave the coffee up to them. It's like <laughs> we want something super fun. Like this is what we're doing with it. Whether it's a pour over variant or this fat Joe. Well, I'll tell you what. Cheers. Let's uh, let's cheers yeah, it up for let's uh, cheers on this bad boy for an amazing beer here. This is uh, yeah, this is coming in straight ass coffee. This Thank is you. so good. Yeah, and I absolutely love coffee beers, and the quality of the coffee just immediately hits you. Not that the you know Burundi pour over is a bad beer by any means; it's a fantastic beer. But this is elevated. It, it is is truly elevated beer. And also the the base style behind it. I mean, it's it's adding it's adding to the coffee. The coffee is adding to the beer. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship going on between the two ingredients. So tell us about that that base beer, the uh, the barrel aged sticker shock. It's kind of your base. Uh, big big ass barrel aged stout uh tell us what what kind of goes into that stout so yeah it's kind of a ridiculous brew day every time <laughs> we make it 
It's it's all, it's all TEF. I mean, like we we, we kind of treat it like Bourbon County, where we have one base, and yeah. then we try to do all these variants. But Justin will tell you about how much work he puts into it. So do you, I mean, do you boil it for like four hours and take a nap, and then you come back and you're like <laughs> five mashes into one fermenter? Well, in a way, I, it's kind of evolved over time. We we've, we've tweaked it. Uh, most recently, I usually come in at like four or five p.m. Do three mashes to fill the kettle. Start boiling it, leave for the night. We'll put some <laughs> firm cap in it so it doesn't boil over. I'll leave. Everybody will come in like 8 or 9 a.m. Whoa. It's, it's like 7 or 8. All right. Bob <laughs> comes in at 7. No, not anymore. I roll in at like 9 a.m. And then we actually do a fourth mash, top it up to get the, the right starting gravity. And then we'll start our hour boil, if you will. Yeah, the mouthfeel on it is dependent. I mean, you can tell how much grain has gone into this it's it, it's really fantastic thank you yeah it's a it's a very high starting gravity high finishing gravity if you'd see how many times he's cut his knuckles stirring the grain in yeah. <laughs> you would cry i don't have any fingers left <laughs> yeah, tef is sitting here with two fingers to yeah. his name right now. <laughs> two finger mic, tef holding this mic between my nubs or stubs stubs tef the look in his eyes after these days like he's it's like of a person that is honestly exhausted so that's that's honest work right there yeah the final product is amazing and and i love how much it sticks to the glass it's got that belgian lacing going on i mean it's turning my clear glass completely brown as soon as i start to swirl this bad boy it's oh, so good <laughs> so very good do you have any uh, final words as we kind of wrap it up here to uh, to impart to our listeners, uh, you know, reasons to come on out to uh, see you guys in Decora? Uh, any any last shout-outs you'd like to throw out there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're always trying to do fun stuff. Come visit us. We don't have a lot of distribution, so kind of have to come come see us in Decora. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, we try to come up with new beers all the time. Uh, we are packaging in 16-ounce four-packs now, so we'll see a lot of that in the future. Uh, we're starting, like we talked about before, our mixed culture barrel program. Uh, so there'll be more of that in the future. And then we'll continue to do the Imperial Stout releases uh, throughout the year. We love friends, BRs. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that we made friends with you guys because this has this been a really you. fun experience. Too. And uh, I, I think it, it goes to show what we've been talking about on the podcast for a long time. That, uh, you know, you can, you can find the national distributors. You can find the big boys. You can find them on your store shelves and all sorts of states. But what the, the craft brewery industry really seems to be is really seems to be going towards is more a local uh, scene you know find your local freshest fucking beers at uh, your local establishments and and you're going to find stuff that uh, it's lost its flavor on the on the shelves you know you, you, you don't lose flavor when you're getting it as fresh as possible from your local uh, breweries yeah for sure i mean like there's so many new good breweries like there's so much good beer everywhere that not to not to knock like national brands. It's like everybody, you know, like everyone's interviewed. It's like, oh, what's your favorite beer? It's like, oh, Sooner Nevada Pale Ale. Like, obviously, it's like it's a good beer, and like it cr- helped create you know the industry that we're in. Like, we're very happy for that, and that's a great beer. And like, keep drinking, you know, like the national brands. I mean, like I'd, I'm using expletive, but I am a I I, I crave Bell's Too Hearted. Um, I love it. It's a great beer, but there's so many new breweries that it's like make quality beer like. Explore them, taste them, love them. 
I mean, that's a, that's a great place to end. It looks like we are uh, out of beer at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we will definitely be back in Decorah for some more from Pulpit Rock. But uh, for, for now, for me, for Alex. I'm Jim. Justin. Robert. All right, thanks for joining us. What an amazing interview with Pulpit Rock. What a fun time sitting down with those guys. Just an an absolutely fantastic trip down to Decora uh, to, to you know to sit down and and talk beer with some guys who who really get it you know who who are making the small batch stuff who are, who are embracing the boutique uh, brewery aspect who are I mean brewing out of one of the smallest spaces that I've ever seen Jim what did they say when they moved that uh, that tank in they had like an, an inch and a half of uh, of space to get that thing in there yeah it, it's a it's a tight tight space that they have down there and bob and justin were absolutely the best hosts uh to have because we were there on the day of their third year and one week anniversary is extremely busy because uh there was a certain release going on at another brewery in decora and yet they took time out for us and treated us like kings honestly they were super awesome in fact let's get into these next set of beers uh so coming up next of course last on the docket the big stouts we have nothing original, the Broyo, uh, and then the king here, the, the barrel-aged Otella, uh, which might have some hazelnuts in it. Hey, these are some fun beers. I mean, we're talking about the nothing original, which is the Rocky Road Stout. So this is a, a milk stout with marshmallows, vanilla, pecans, and cocoa nibs. Then we got the Broyo, where, I mean, they literally just threw Oreos, <laughs> or, you know, Oreo snack cookies into a, into a kettle. And they've got a milk stout with chocolate sandwich cookies, vanilla, and cocoa powder. And then ending with that uh, the Nutella, we're going to have all kinds of hazelnut. Uh, let's get some first impressions. Andy, Jesus, what what are you guys tasting here? It's a barrel age of Nutella is far and away. I mean, it just blows me away. It's very, very good. The other two, not so much. The Broyo, I've, I've seen problems with that. Uh, too much sugar. Uh, it's been exploding if it's not been refrigerated properly. Um, it is very sweet. Uh, it tastes a lot better once it warms up a little bit, but it's what it is. It tastes like Oreos. If you like Oreos, you'll probably like it. Um, I do like Oreos, but it's a little bit sweet for me. So the Nothing Original <laughs> is a sweet milk stout, um, and it kind of hits the mark. I mean, I'd, I'd actually prefer this over the Broyo. We're right in line, honestly. The, the Broyo is just way too sweet for me. And actually, when we poured it out, too, it just kind of just flowed over the glass. So it just, uh, it's too much there. But yeah, that barrel-aged beer is, that's another, that's a star of the show. I mean, no no doubt about it. But the Nothing Original is still a solid beer, though. I, I can drink a couple of those, honestly. It's really good. Yeah, I feel like they're hitting the mark on the Nothing Original. Uh, you know, all the different aspects of that beer really come together to make a, a, a something that's better than the whole of all of its parts. I'm not certain that I'm getting Rocky Road from it. I mean, that's that's kind of a tall ask, uh, you know, to get a, an ice cream flavor from a beer. But I, I really Jesus. do like the way that all of the uh, all the different aspects of the beer are coming together. I tend to agree with you guys a bit that uh, that Broyo is very very sweet. There's a ton of residual sugar that ended up in here, which is which is interesting. You would have thought a ton of it would have fermented out just naturally, but somehow there is a lot of residual sugar in this. Even just um, agitating the beer when you're when you're taking a sip, it it, it just foams up in your mouth. It, it is it is definitely highly carbonated. Yeah, I mean, I think this has got to go back to the design. 
I guess we could um, say unique mouthfeel. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus, what happens as, as an architect uh, when something's got to go back to the drawing board? Literally what you just said. <laughs> you go back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, that's what's got to happen on the Broyo. I mean, there's definitely promise there. Oh, yeah. There's, there's promising qualities of the Broyo. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, I think with the barrel-aged beer, you definitely get that experience that uh, both Bob and Justin had at Topland Goliath and working with some of the great barrel-aged beers because a three-year-old brewery should not make barrel-aged beers that are this good. It just doesn't normally happen. You need a lot of experience, and then you have to wait, right? Uh, but they're making great beers now. They're knocking this one out of the park. I mean, it's really fun to go to the brewery, and uh, it's such a small brewing space that they don't have barrels back there. Uh, all the barrels are in the tasting room. You know, you're just kind of sitting amongst the, uh, the the amazing barrel-aged beers that they're doing. And maybe it's the love, you know. Maybe it's the uh, the good vibes in the in the space. But uh, it comes through. It comes through in the beer. There's uh, there's some really fun things going on in this one. This is by far the second best thing that I tried from uh, from Pulpit Rock. And the only thing better was the uh, was the Fat Joe. That uh, that coffee barrel aged stout was I don't know. It, it's right up there with some of the best barrel aged stuff that I've ever tried. See, it's a little it's a little thin for me, but the the taste is is phenomenal. It doesn't have the mouthfeel that I typically enjoy from a barrel aged stout, but it has the right flavors in all the right places. Honestly, for me, it's just a, a bummer I couldn't go. I cannot believe uh, this brewery produced these beers, that those coffee stouts, the sours, and now these barrel-aged beers. Amazing. What a portfolio. It's great. Well, like we've been saying, uh, you know, if you have the time to go, you know, and if you win the the ticket to something in uh, in Decora, and you know, you can head on out there, or if you just want to go visit Pulpit Rock and uh, visit some of the fun places in Decora to grab a bite to eat, uh, it's it's worth the trip. It's absolutely worth the trip. So I, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. And uh, this has been an amazing interview, an amazing episode for us. And we hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, but it looks like we are just about out of our pulpit rock stuff right now. We might just have to make that trip. <laughs> but for now, for me, for Alex. Jesus. Andy here. Jim. That's going to do it for us. And uh, this has been another solid non-fail production. No